better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Real Science Podcast, a podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. <laughs> My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. How are you guys doing? Good. I could tell you really wanted us to yes and that, like, radio announcer voice, but I, I just figured, you, you know. Did not. Oh, you, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I wasn't feeling it, you know. Can I, I want to hear what Pace's radio announcer voice sounds like, because he has a very... I gotta say, uh, I'm really happy to be here, uh, and um, you both sound, you sound great. You sound really good uh, on this, on this, uh, on this, this microphone tube that you're using. Can you, can you tell me what it is? I can't. What you're speaking into? You're trying to sell me a car. You're not a newscaster. I want, I want a newscaster voice. Okay. Yeah, get it clear. Well, I I am from the Midwest, so I've mastered the non-dialectual accent. Non-dialectual. Sure. Non-dialectual. And what that means is, if you were to hear me speak, you wouldn't be able to tell where I was from. That's how that works. I feel like you keep slipping into this, like, yelling man Boston accent. What are you doing, face? (laughs) Based on my waveform, I would say I'm definitely yelling. Uh, That's that's definitely what it looks like. Hey, face, I got news for you. You're always yelling. (laughs) That's that's true. That is that is, that is very well, true. Now I have to do my newscast. Okay, so newscast would be more like tonight at eleven. Find out what's happening in your neck of the wood. Something like that. You know, your neck of the wood. But, that was good. Like a lot. Well, yeah, that's like an hour ochre thing. But then radio would be like, it's like, burr, 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 burr. hey, welcome to the <laughs> classic rock block hour. We got classic rock coming at you all day, so don't touch that dial. Oh yeah, turn it up and rip off the knob. And then Hulk Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan walks into the room. And we got Hulk just, Hogan in the studio today and making some yeah. cool. Yeah, hey Hulk, all right, we'll get you on there later, bud. How's it going, brothers and sisters? We're gonna rock out. <laughs> Okay, so is, is now Hulk Hogan for an a musician? Break. A musician? No, he's not a musician. I don't think. Is Hulk Hogan a bard? <laughs> no. If if Hulk Hogan plays D anD D, wait, oh. I'd like to be part of that campaign. So are we? Is this part of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, of course, it's part of the podcast. Oh, okay. I think it is. Yeah, it's it sounds like it is. It sounds like us. Welcome to our celebrity D anD D podcast, mm. where we have Vin Diesel. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hulk Hogan. Wait, why are we and... all muscle boys? <laughs> yeah, what is this? The, uh, by celebrity, do you just mean like WWE, like reunion tour? <laughs> I mean, aren't most of the? No, I don't think that. I don't think that Vin Diesel was in was on WWE, was he? No, but he's just big. He's a big lad. Yeah, he was in the Pacifier, so that like negates all of that bigness. I mean, right? he did wrestle some babies in that movie. Yeah, and babies are weak. Like they're very, very small. So I assume he also wrestled with some feelings. So that's <laughs> that's much harder than babies. It's true. Uh, Pace, your accent's music to my ears. Your non-dialectical, <laughs> your non-dialectical Midwestern accent. I know, isn't it just great to hear that just neutrality in one's voice? Sounds like white bread is coming out of your mouth. Oh my god! Right. Wow. So you guys, as you guys may have guessed, this is a podcast <laughs> where we watch movies and then we talk about the science in those movies. 
Uh, and this week we watched the movie Annihilation. Yes, we did. We did. Fuck. We did watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Natalie Portman. Who else is in this movie? I know one of you has the IMDb um, Pace, that was gross. Uh, it was the guy from the new Star Wars movie. Uh, Oscar Isaac is in this movie. Um, and then uh, Jane the Virgin is also in this movie. I don't, I don't think that's her name. Is that is her that Christian her name? name, Pace? Well... <laughs> But it's 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 her it's her it's her Jewish name. <laughs> no, uh, her her actual name, Gina Rodriguez. Very nice. It's her actual name. Oh, and fuck, Benedict Wong was in this movie. Also, he was wearing a suit the entire time, but he was definitely in this movie. Was he? Yeah, he's the uh, he's the guy who interviews Natalie Portman for the entirety of the movie, since the whole movie's a flashback. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. That was Wong, wasn't it? Yep. 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 Was he in Right? You are, Kenan. What, what movie did we watch with him in it? I feel like it was the one with Doctor Kristen Strange. Wick. He's, he is in Doctor Strange. He was also watch that, in The Martian, um, yeah, where one. he played yeah, the Martian. physicist. And he was also in Kick-Ass 2, which we watched um, for our 10th episode. Yeah, that was, oh my god, I, for, I forgot that those movies existed. Yeah, that existed. was more of a private viewing, but yeah, of course. We watched that, mm-hmm. definitely. Kenan wouldn't lie to the listeners, ever. Never, ever, ever. He was also in Prometheus, which we might actually watch pretty soon. Mm. But anyway, sometime... This isn't the Benedict Wong hour. We are going to talk about the movie Annihilation. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think I'm on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would be super down to start a podcast about exclusively Benedict Wong. <laughs> okay, we can talk about Annihilation. But real real quick, oh. just real quick. Uh, the authors have stuff to disclose. And that is that we are... Th- now, two out of three doctors, uh, one still a PhD candidate. I'm working on it really hard. But because of that, uh, we're going to break down some of the minutiae of the science in this film. And we will also probably curse if we haven't already. Uh, so Fuck. hide your kids and hide your wives and hide <laughs> your husbands. That was a really great, like, fuck that you just screamed in the background Kenan. <laughs> and your dogs because i will pet them he's reaching through your headphones right now to pet your dog to your house to pet your dogs or dog if you just have one dog or your cat or your <clears throat> fish i will pet your fish i feel like before we start the movie like mm-hmm. how, how have you guys been i haven't seen you since you moved uh i'm very tired <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point this is the first episode that we've recorded uh all from separate locations yep um and because of that, we can't tell when each other is talking, which is going really well. For yeah, it's us. pretty great. There's been absolutely no over talking like you can hear just now what just happened now. Right, right. Kenan has moved to um, to the land, uh, the, the land of bulls and cider in North Carolina, Durham, Beep. North Carolina. I just to tell everybody where I live, Pace. Uh, and his address is... Uh, <laughs> you don't know my address. I feel safe. I mean, they already knew that we lived in Gainesville. I don't think it's that crazy <laughs> that you live in Durham. No, yeah, I know. That's true. And if you see me in Durham uh, and you recognize me as the f- famous podcaster and the real science cast, Ken Smith, come up and say, hey, and I'll buy a beer because it'll make me feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing good? You enjoying North Carolina? The amber waves yeah, and all that? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Purple Mountain Majesties all around me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the rest of the song, but the city is really nice. It's a little bit more progressive than Gainesville, which I didn't know I needed. I think you were. I, have it. I think you were looking for fruited plains, Kenan. There are no fruited plains. Oh, here, okay. But well, that's yeah. good. I'm glad you are enjoying North Carolina. Pace, I mm-hmm. know how you're doing because you live down the street still. 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm really I'm I'm really getting tired of Florida. It's starting to wear on me. Um, You're moving up here soon though. You're going to be my Durham buddy. Soon. Soon I will. I'm uh yes, time will tell. Yeah. Okay. So, did anybody suggest this to us? I think Tori may have suggested it to me in lab. Uh, I don't know if any Tori said that. Yeah, I think she did and then Somebody also suggested it to me, and I don't remember who it was. I mean, we could call friend of the podcast, uh, Dr. Robbie Zinna, out for it because it's his favorite movie, and he enjoys it a, a, a very much a lot. And it's ta- he actually sent us some questions. So. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Robbie, and thank you, Tori, for the suggestion. So, yes. Annihilation. We already went over the cast. The movie starts with Natalie Portman, uh, who is the star of the movie. It's mostly her doing yep. a, giving a lecture at a university on cellular reproduction and like tumor metastasis and she's basically talking about how cells keep dividing and they're malignant or something like that i don't actually remember what she's saying yeah. it's sort of like for all intents and purposes this is at least i I'm, i don't know about everybody else but it was fairly obvious that natalie portman is a cell biologist just from right off the bat um, potentially an oncologist because she's talking about cancer. Yeah. Yeah. She, she basically says that the, uh, what she studies is the genetically programmed life of a cell right. is her research. Well, area. that's what, that's what she's called out for, for studying later on in the movie. Right. It, which is important because, because she, I mean, she is important in the concept of cancer cells because cancer cells life cycle is completely messed up, uh, compared to a normal cell. So that's kind of the context. That is true. That. And we basically, you know, it's just a short clip of her giving this lecture. And then we see her run into one of her colleagues in the hallway whose name I do not remember. Uh, we'll just call him. I totally remember what his name is. We'll just call him the homewrecker. Because that's his basically name is Daniel. Is it, it's or Daniel. We can call him Big Boy Johnson. Mm. Why would his name just be Big Boy Johnson? Because whenever I see him, I think, ooh, hey, Big Boy Johnson. <laughs> uh Okay. You call him Big Boy Daniel, and that's his real name. Well, that's his real character's name. <laughs> he was also an Interstellar, just to clear the air. Yeah, he was. I I, I like Homewrecker. <laughs> yeah, I like I, wait. Homewrecker. What about Big Boy Homewrecker? Homewrecker Dan. What about Homewrecker Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> Homewrecker Johnson. Okay, let's go with... All right, I'm going to call him Homewrecker Dan, because that's Homewrecker Dan. his character's name and some of the main attributes of his character he's heckin reckon <laughs> heckin reckon so he comes up to natalie foreman and we get a little insight into her life because he invites her to a barbecue at his house and yep. she basically is like oh no i have plans i'm painting our bedroom and he like kind of moves in close to her and is like hey it's been like a year implying sort of like that she's lost her significant other it's been a year. You're allowed to go socialize with friends. You don't feel bad about it. And she goes like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go paint my bedroom. He verbatim says, you're allowed to move on. Yeah. At this point in the movie, you're just sort of like, oh, I guess she lost someone and he's just trying to comfort her. But we kind of find a little yep. bit more about the context of that situation um, a little bit. But we flash forward to Natalie Portman at her house and she is sort of sitting there like having flashback memories like hanging out with her husband who is presumably gone. So we get sort of from this flashback that he was in the military and that they loved each other. And now he's gone. It's been a year. 
I, yep. I can keep going. I just didn't know if you guys wanted to say anything. <laughs> no, I mean, that's basically that's basically what we get. I mean, it's implied that her husband is a secret agent or a covert ops of some sort, and she's not really privy to what he does. Um, and he effectively disappeared a year ago um, without a trace. And she is being told by her colleague to move on, but she clearly hasn't done so yet. Yeah. And uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young is playing in the background. <laughs> The best part of the movie. Yeah, it's actually really good. So good. They it sets a scene very well. Yeah. She, I believe in this same scene, it, it kind of picks up kind of fast, which wasn't actually bad. It was kind of nice because, you know, we didn't need right. too much background, but she's upstairs uh, looking at her bedroom and I guess she's having like these thoughts of her husband. And then she thinks she sees something in the hallway and then she turns around and her husband is standing in the hallway of her house. Yeah, which was yeah. kind of a shock. Right? We're like, wait, I thought he was dead, but apparently he was sort of gone missing and no one had heard from him. She was like trying to yeah. contact his unit, couldn't get in touch with him. And she keeps asking him all these questions about <laughs> um, what's up unit. Oh, oh, wow. Very good. <laughs> Very she good. Keeps asking him all these questions about, um, you know, what happened and like what happened to you, friends in the union? Did anyone else make it out? What, where'd you go? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And he just keeps saying he doesn't know. Yeah. So as she's talking with her husband, we, I also wanted to let the listener know that this is actually being told as a flashback. So the actual beginning scene of the movie shows Natalie Portman in sort of like a white room with a bunch of people surrounding yeah. her in hazmat suits. And they're just questioning her about some event that has occurred. And she's giving them answers like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's implied that basically the entire movie is a flashback. And up to this point, we don't know what to, but Natalie Portman has like, you know, committed some crime or something's happened. And Benedict Wong is part of the team that's questioning her and they think she might be infected with something so right and and it's, they sort of jump back and forth between this scene of benedict wong interrogating her and then presumably what she's recounting to him of what happened so sure. they're going to do that throughout the entire movie and i don't think we're going to need to really address the flashbacks as much because nah it's, it's not important it's not really important i mean it's great no. for the movie it's just not important for telling the story i mean for all intents and purposes it's just benedict wong going whoa so what happened next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all it really tells us is that she does emerge alive from this event that happens in the film. That's all. It would, that's that's the most important yeah, right. part. Yeah. I would say. She's still there after everything happens. I'm yes. still here yes. starring Joaquin Phoenix. Natalie Portman. My one note corrected Natalie Portman to Natalie Pittman. So um, hmm. I think that from this point on, she is the, the Pittman. And that's going to be her her sort of like go-to alias. If you want to call her the Pittman, I will support you. That is your prerogative, Pace. Excellent. But I'm, I'm going to call her Natalie Portman. <laughs> I mean, so you're going to call her Natty Port. I'm just going to call her Padme. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're taking this to a Padme's whole new good. level. All right. So what does Padme do next, yeah. Sean? <laughs> Fuck. We're doing this? Okay. So what's happening? So Padme is speaking with her husband. And he basically gets to the point where he's like, does any of this really matter? And she's like, no, it doesn't. I'm glad you're home. Like, she's all happy. And she sees uh, they're sitting across from each other at a table and he's drinking a glass of water and he puts the water down and we see that there's blood in the water. And then look, the camera pans up at him and he's like essentially choking on blood like he's bleeding internally. And so then we have this really fast scene where he's being rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. So Natalie or Padme is in the back of the ambulance with him. And um, 
then as they're on their way to the hospital, he's in critical condition. The so a bunch of helicopters and like SWAT team, you know, military government vehicles pull, run the ambulance off the road, grab the two of them and knock them out with some sort of sedative. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically seems that that he he's basically suffering from supposedly like multiple organ failure, massive eternal bleeding, um, and right now we assume this is just something that had to do with this. He mission. definitely shouldn't be moved from the ambulance that he's currently in, and they drag him out of the ambulance. No, that was very hazardous. If blood is physically coming out of your body, that's like out of your mouth. That's not good. <laughs> You'll no. So at this point in the film. Uh, Miss Pittman Fox. wakes up in a basically unrecognized location and she basically encounters who we soon to know as a Dr. Ventress, uh, which is, by the way, one of the coolest names I've heard Fucking, in my entire life. It sounds like, it, and I'm in it sounds like a, a super villain name, like straight up. It sounds so great. I mean, that's Dr. why Ventress. I like it. Yeah. All uh, I could think of the entire Dr. time Ventures. was the Venture Brothers and the Monarch. Venture Brothers? <laughs> yeah. yeah Dr. Ventress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so we, we encountered Dr. Ventress, and she is a very, very cold, very kind of like, you know, a calculating individual. Um, but essentially the point is that the way that Ventress gets to Natalie Portman is that they're like, oh, we have your husband and you're not just going to leave, are you? And so this basically uh, leads to them going to see her husband, who's still alive, by the way. Uh, his his name's Kane, right? Is what he well, goes by, is his character's name. What's that, Kenny? I was going to say, she also uh, inquires, like she asks Natalie Portman, if Kane, her husband, um, which, by the way, if we didn't say it is. Uh, yes. Played by Oscar Isaac. Um, she also asks Natalie Portman repeatedly if uh, Kane divulged top secret information to her. Like she's not she's she's asking Natalie about her husband, but she's also like it's very clear. Like this is the first part of the movie where it becomes very clear that Kane was involved in like top level security stuff. Yeah. He, and that she thinks that Natalie Portman has compromised the confidentiality of whatever they're doing here too. Right. So yeah, she's yeah. Uh, keeps asking her, but then after she realizes that he didn't divulge any information to her, she starts like actually telling Natalie Portman or Padme, if you will, some information about right. her husband's whereabouts and what, what was going on. Right. And then like Pace said, she's allowed to, she's eventually allowed to see him. She takes, uh, she lets Padme see her husband who's in critical condition. So he's like not conscious, right? Because he's got massive internal bleeding and is, you know, right. out of it. Was moved, um, she, was moved out of an ambulance when he should have Right, been. exactly. Uh, but then uh, Ventress tells uh, Natalie Portman sort of what's been going on. And so what she says is she looks at, they're at a secret base and she takes her to an overlook and they look outside and there is essentially a giant shimmering orb of light that looks like a giant wall. Like it's huge. Well, well, it's like the shield from the uh, battle of Naboo. That's a good um, point. It's, it's also kind of like the shield that uh, is in front of Hogwarts during during uh, during the oh, seventh yeah, uh, Harry Potter yeah. book seven uh, movie number two, part two. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. So, Kenan, you can't make references to episode one because it was so <laughs> bad that I don't actually remember anything that happened in it. Um, <laughs> what? 
You don't remember our favorite movie starring Dennis? Um, everyone's, everyone's favorite, favorite Phantom Menace. Child. Oh, he- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. We talked about Dennis the Menace and about injecting him into the Star Wars universe for like maybe 15 minutes before we started recording this podcast. I, listeners, I'd be willing to bet that Kenan still has a browser tab open with Dennis the Menace Strikes Again. Uh, on <laughs> no, why don't you shut up? That's not accurate at all. Okay, so Ventress shows Natalie Portman the shimmer. And they describe to her that there's basically this giant wall. They've been calling it the Shimmer. They have a, a team of scientists and military operatives that are there trying to investigate it. And uh, for all we know, it, it seems like it's it kind of in the U.S. or at least in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, it looks like this is a U.S.-led operation just because everybody's speaking English and seems American. That's that's the only like guess I have off of it. But she starts telling her that there's this phenomenon that they're investigating and they've sent teams of people in and nobody has ever come out except for her husband. And that is why they're so interested. Right. And the timeline that she gives to is actually three years, I believe, um, for when this event first started. And her husband got involved a year prior to this. So it's been quite a while. Yeah. And, and it's been growing and growing. So it started off as a small like I guess spherical dome and now it just keeps getting bigger daily. Yeah. And it's uh, also worth noting. uh, I've read this actually is supposed to be taking place in Florida um, along like one of the, one of the coasts of Florida. That makes sense. Cause they mentioned about how it's all swampland and shit. And yeah, it's like a, like a uh, sort of wet hellscape. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, well, you know what I thought was weird about this movie is it didn't rain every day at four (laughs) 30 in the afternoon. (laughs) It has, it hasn't rained. I know this is sort of like, narrow casting but it hasn't rained for the past two days what? and i actually they feel like i don't live in florida what anymore it's really weird yeah the problem is it's just been the surface of the sun temperature but it hasn't Jesus. rained so well, i'm sorry that you guys are in a drought i hope hopefully i mean florida's never actually in a drought so we're fine I, I we're fine here <laughs> okay <know>. Get it. <laughs> topical <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, big shout out to all you uh, Florida listeners. <laughs> Rain, am I right? <laughs> all right, thanks, Hulk. We really enjoyed your wrestling. We'll come back to you after this commercial break. Okay, bye, Bear Aspirin. <laughs> does he make? Does he do Bear commercials? <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. I assume that he does whatever the opposite of a Slim Jim is. Okay. That's because he's started. a Fat Jim or like a Fat Joe. I guess he'd be a Fat Joe. No, no, no. Because Randy Savage does uh, oh, Slim Jim. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, Slim Jim. And then for a long time, he and Randy Savage weren't weren't buddies. Right. So I, I guess my question for you is, what is the opposite of a Slim Jim? The opposite of a Slim Jim is like is is like a it's like a short John. I was thinking it would be like no, you got to name a real product like a celery stick or something. Oh, you mean like an andouille sausage? No, but they're both meat. Like it's not. Oh, you like, like an the opposite sausage. of meat? Oh well, then I would say it's probably like. I don't know the shortest, most stubbiest zucchini you've encountered in your life. So, like, wait, maybe baby corn is the opposite of the same. I suppose, but the baby corn is like has also has like no nutritional value to it. No, it's just a fat gym. No, No, it's a fat gym. Like the opposite of meat. He doesn't want more meat. (laughs) Yeah, it can't just be also meat. Like, no, it's a guy named Frank. Oh, you mean a a human being? It's a whole person. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, skinny Frank. Like squat Frank. Squat is the good word to use. 
Squat Frank. Stout Frank. Oh, oh, uh, you mean Dan, uh, Danny DeVito is the opposite. Oh, shit. He's the opposite. Danny DeVito yeah. is the opposite of a Slim Jim. Yes, he is. That's exactly right. Okay. We did it. Um, we did it. Danny DeVito so is the opposite at, of a Slim Jim. At this Jim. point in the movie, uh, Natalie Port- it, it is impressed upon Natalie Portman the seriousness of the situation and how the shimmer is growing. Uh, and eventually it will cover potentially, you know, states, countries, the entire globe. Um, and so at this point, she's kind of ended her day and she encounters uh, what Sean described as the other team of scientists. Right. Uh, I think there is they're all they're all women. Um, and there is a biologist, a physicist, a geomorphologist and a paramedic. Uh, and they all kind of like are meet are meeting and chatting, describing their backgrounds. And Natalie Portman learns that they're basically all planning a uh, an expedition inside the Shimmer. Yes, led by Doctor Ventress. Doctor Ventress, led by <laughs> Doctor Ventress, our favorite supervillain. Also in attendance is Gina Rodriguez, uh, Tuva Novotny, and mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson. And there's one other person whose name that I don't remember, and I think it was. No, that's pretty much everybody else. Dr. Ventress is played by Jennifer Jason Lee, who has three names. Um, but basically the idea <laughs> is that like they're they're all this like assembly assembly of uh, this assemblage of scientists. So you know, you don't want to talk. You have two middle names, Kenan. I don't want to hear it. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I have Kenan four names in total. It actually largely equates to how royalty you are. So the more names you have, the more uh, royal blood is circulating in your body. God, you're so regal. Yeah, that's fake news. I'm a little too regal, some would say. Uh, but either way, Hashtag fake news. there's a whole bunch of scientists now that, are, that they're sending instead of soldiers. So, Which is a good point. I mean, they previously there had been mil- this has been a military operation up to this point. Right. Um, and now they are sending definitely a, a, a troop of a different disposition. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, to investigate this situation. So can we hop into their journey now? Well, into the show. I, I do want to say that it, it is a little strange to me that they basically say they have no idea of anything that's inside it. And like, I don't know if they've sent any unmanned like probes or anything into this. No, they did to, to get some data. Yeah. But as far as I understand, they don't have any information about it. She said that they had sent drones and they had sent animals. Like I assume wearing cameras and not just like be free Rover run into the shimmer that they like have sent multiple methods of communique into the shimmer and nothing has returned, including people, including robots, everything. That's right. They also say that the, they can't get radio signals to work through the shimmer. Yes. So correct. Yeah. And, uh, Spoiler, the, the shimmer is actually how Old Yeller dies. Yeah, actually, that's, uh, I think also the dog in the red, where the red fern grows. Um, was, and Lassie as well. Yep. Um, I am going to get this fucking thing back on track, so help me God, Pace. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. So what actually happens is Natalie Portman decides to, she wants to find out what's going on in the shimmer because her husband went in there and he's dying. Yep. So she basically talks to Dr. Ventress <laughs> and convinces her to let her go as a bi- as a biologist with the team. Right. So she they decide like okay, you can go with the team. They essentially get food rations and machine guns, big guns and go inside the uh shimmer. And Natalie Portman is an ex-soldier which comes up at a few points during this. Now, they enter the shimmer. Yes. And uh, from the movie watcher experience, you see them wake up 
in individual tents and look around and they've clearly set up a camp and it's revealed that none of them remember how far they've walked or that they've set up a camp or anything. They just have like no recollection of what happened since they walked into the shimmer. There's literally a scene where they're like, okay, let's go. And then it's Natalie Portman in a tent. And we're like, what what the fuck? Which is pretty wild. Yeah, for a moment, I was like, wait, are they... When, when I saw Natalie Portman, I was like, are they camping outside? Or are they... Like, what is happening here? Well, I think I think they do that to kind of, like, impress upon you that the experience that the, uh, that the group is having in this situation. So, right. for whatever reason, they have already been in the Shimmer for at least a few days, right? It's like, like three or four days or well, something. They're just guessing. They like don't really, and they, well, they have no idea. Well, they're basing but... it. Uh, they're basing it upon the number of rations that they have left over. So one of them, one of them states like, Oh, you know, we have rations left. And we like this number of rations have been consumed. So it must be that we've been out here for three days. Um, they don't have any idea how far they've hiked and they don't have any uh, recordings of what they've been doing so far, other than presumably their, their camera, Um, and actually, uh, somebody brought this up to me is that one of the major things that, uh, is important in the book for which this, these, this movie is based on are journals. So they're actually people keeping journals the entire time. And I remember watching it and being like, why the fuck is nobody writing anything down? I assume they just didn't include it in the movie for whatever reason. I think it, I think it would have been hard to, you know, do justice to each individual member keeping a journal from a cinematic standpoint. Um, but Nonetheless, the, the most dramatic thing occurring here is that the being in the shimmer is affecting their memory. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's literally inducing blackouts, um, which is crazy. It is crazy. We could, I suppose we could talk about it now. Um, sure. What it, what it means that they're, they're losing their memories. It's, it's kind of at the same point that they also realize that they can't, they can't reach satellites or like transmit signals out of the shimmer. Their compasses don't work. It's like they're basically in this, uh, this isolated bubble uh, where nothing leaves. And this comes really important, becomes really important later on in the film. And then they, they say, Oh, we should have known this is going to happen because it's not like they were detecting radio signals or anything else that was coming out of the shimmer. So obviously they shouldn't expect any of their devices to work in here in the first place. Right. But they do realize that their devices, like their video cameras and everything, nothing that everything that's contained within the shimmer still works. So it's stuff that sends signals out doesn't work, but like their cameras work. Right. Their compass doesn't, but that's because apparently there's crazy electromagnetic fields. Supposedly. I mean, somehow the, it's a good point though, because somehow it, it would, it implies that like the, even such such a thing is like as stable as the magnetic field that's associated with the planet Earth itself is affected by this shimmer. Hmm. So yeah, but you you can have like stronger local magnets that are, in, you know, it's not a very strong magnetic single from the Earth. Like you could definitely override that with something else. Yeah, sure. Apparently, the shimmer is strong enough to do that. Yeah. Um, but so what they had to do is, you know, Doctor Venture. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Ventress is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's the team leader. She basically looks at him as like, yeah, I mean, nothing works, but did you expect it to work? Let's just keep moving. Right. So yeah, that was brought up that like they, we've already tried to do this a hundred times and we've never gotten radio contact with anyone in here. Like, why yeah. are you surprised? Right. So she's just very much like, let's just go. And they know that there is a lighthouse at the center of this area. And they think that is the origin point of whatever this phenomenon is. So that their goal is to try and go to the lighthouse yeah. and collect information from it and then report back. 
So she's like, let's go. Let's go to the lighthouse. And that's pretty, that's a theme that's kept for, throughout the entire movie. Dr. Ventress is very, very set on reaching the lighthouse pretty much no matter what happens to them. And so she's just basically using the sun to, you know, tell which direction is south and that's it. And they just start going. And so the next scene we have is they come, you know, that we find out earlier in the movie that they've evacuated all of the people in the area. They're just people that uh, it's like a small unpopulated area. And there was like some premise of a chemical spill that they just evacuated everyone. Right. But they come up to an abandoned old house. And as they get here, you can start to notice that like the flora in the area, a lot of the flowers are different right so everything just looks sort of unique right natty port actually points out to us uh the viewers that the flowers that they're seeing are all coming from the same plant but they're all displaying different phylogenies basically like all these plants look different from one another even though they're coming from the same main vine basically so yeah and at this point i think natalie Portman points out that she says could be paraphrasing, but something, something in the shimmer is making giant waves in the gene pool. Yeah, um, which is is kind of just like a hand wavy broad statement, um, but it's the only kind of conclusion that she can make based upon the fact that one stem is producing this wide variety of of plant life. I think yeah, it's it's obviously not how genes work because they're not. It's not like a character creation screen in a video game where you select different attributes and you scroll through them. Um, But that's kind of what they're trying to convey here is that um, all of these different flowers sprouting out of the same plant are the genes being reshuffled inside the plant itself so that the flowers that are produced look differently. Yes, and I I think the the crazy thing here, and I think this is where we get, this might be where we cross from like science into science fiction is that like how this would actually work is that if there were just massive change uh, changes in the in the genome of these plants, the plants would have to like would have to reproduce and then produce more plants that would then look different. Right. Right. Like you wouldn't see all of these changes happen immediately in the same plant that's already alive. At least I don't think you would. Well, no, you. So. you you're right. Like you would see, and this is the way that evolution in general works right like you you end up with very very slow changes due to random mutagenesis that happens naturally and the idea is that the the shimmer would cause some of these changes to occur more quickly and as long as those changes are heritable so the plant would be able to pass them on to its progeny effectively then future iterations of that plant would look differently rather than just single portions of the plant being completely different all over the outer surface, I guess. You know what I mean? Like the entire plant having a buffet of flowers um, is definitely crossing into science fiction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, but it wouldn't happen. So if you had uh, two plants of like very similar species, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. closely related. Do you think like if they had a really close genetic identity and you could selectively choose which genes you wanted to turn on or off, do you think you could change the physical attributes of one plant to look like another? Like, is that a feasible thing? Hmm. I would buy that it is, um, because a lot of uh, what, I mean, you know, uh, agriculture has been for the past couple thousand years, right, is that crossbreeding plants can yield variations of a single type of plant. But I think the large majority of that that occurs are between plants that are very closely related. 
Um, I mean, like roses are a great example. Like if you, you can crossbreed some roses with other roses and you end up with differently colored roses, but there's also efforts that are made in order to crossbreed different types of fruits. Um, and you can end up with, what is it like? I don't know, a pomelo, uh, which is a cross between two different citrus fruits, unless I'm completely insane. Hopefully my wife never listens to this because she'll probably come at me for just completely fucking up agricultural knowledge. um, (laughs) I mean, like, we don't do any agricultural (laughs) shit. (laughs) No, but we're experts, Sean. We have to know all of this. Experts. Yeah, but like... Go ahead, Sean, sorry. uh, I was just going to say, I think that, like, the idea that plants... You can do some crazy things with crossbreeding plants, but... I think like plants as a whole, I mean, it's like saying you can crossbreed any animals too. Like it's a whole big group of stuff. Like you have some plants that are very similarly related and other plants that are just not related at all. Well, and they, what? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying they might have totally different, you know, genetic identities, right? Like they might not even use the same genes necessarily just because they're plants. Like they're like Venus fly traps and stuff. Like they're very different than, you know, a daisy or something. Well, and one of the things that we actually see in this movie are uh, is Natalie Portman assessing one of these vines, and you can very clearly see something that looks like a daisy and something that looks like an orchid on the same vine, and that's just, I mean, that's those it's are bonkers. Two very different plants, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that you guys made both a point whenever you said you have to do cross seeding of different plants to generate these sort of like hybrid or new like plant species and. Uh, that genetic changes would have to happen incredibly quickly, uh, like during the stages of development of the plants themselves in order to reflect these changes that they're seeing. But also it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to find multiple types of, of flowering structures along the same vine. That's the point. That's, I, don't, I don't think you can get to that point. That's the point that I was about to make. I, if, if we can hand wave this movie real quick and I'm going to do it, do it. We could say maybe, if we disregard the the fact that if you're mutating the plant's DNA, you're going to run into deleterious or problematic mutations that will just prevent the plant from growing entirely. If we pretend that a vine is growing and slowly being mutated, maybe we could say that if you're reshuffling a lot of these genes, that you'll get different morphisms or different looking flowers as the plant progresses or as the vine grows and you get multiple buds growing like maybe you're changing the characteristics of those buds as you move along so that's the only hand waving i could really do for the movie is like because what we're talking about by making individual changes like if you change the way a plant looks as you just said that the entirety of that plant is going to look that way even if it is different but again hand waving for the movie if it's growing and producing different buds the entire way and is continuously being mutated. Maybe that's what they're trying to get across here. I, I suppose. And it did just kind of like, it just kind of looked like it wasn't as if it was a progression. It was a random assortment along the same vibe. Right. It was a, a so golden corral of a plant. Yeah. Well, I think we also need to approach this from the angle that like, this is a like not of this world phenomenon. So there yeah. are obviously things that could be, like it may have abilities to do something that we wouldn't in this world, but I think it's still going to be confined to the physical properties of this world. There's right? a, a proofreading that the that it does for it for whatever organism it's changing. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, you guys want to move on with more stuff? Or? Yes, please, God. Okay, <laughs> I'm not God. You don't have to do that. Yes, please, Jesus. 
Oh boy. So don't you know G- Jesus is God though, right? That's okay. how that works. Stop, 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 stop. Okay. Stop, 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 stop. Take us take us away, <laughs> Holy Trinity. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, 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 stop, stop. Okay. <sighs> Sean, Sean fucking Christ. <laughs> SFC. <laughs> that big old SFC. Hey, peace. Yes. Shut your fucking, shut your fucking mouth. Sean is, okay. Sean is my homeboy. Natalie Portman and the <laughs> Pittman. God damn it. <laughs> Padme. The all right, the lunch bunch. Uh, they decide to <laughs> so they check out this abandoned house that is right near them. So after Natalie Portman is commenting on all the plants, everyone's like, "Wow, it, this is so crazy!" And it, it sort of looks like this pr- really like pretty fantasy landscape. Like there's all these really colorful plants and the trees have all these bright colors. So it looks really nice. Yeah, the visuals um, in this movie are amazing. Oh, they're That's true. Incredible. Um, and so I don't remember the character's name. She's the what's her name? The which one? The physicist. Uh, Josie. Josie starts investigating the abandoned house, and you can see her standing in the doorway. And she looks at everybody, and she says some inquential thing like, "Hey, guys, like, look over here." And then she just gets sucked into the house rapidly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so Natalie Portman grabs a gun and runs in there and they're trying to rescue her and she's getting pulled into the water uh, by her bag and she's yelling it's got my bag it's got my bag uh, I remember this part of the movie because I was live tweeting or live texting somebody while I was watching it and the minute she gets pulled into the 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 shack I was in the middle of writing something and then I said ah oh, shit glasses because <laughs> she got nabbed <laughs> yeah I know, it was crazy like it looked like something like just like grabbed her like that was yeah, it was very it alien was, versus predator. Yeah. But yeah. so they get her out of the water, like they're able to rescue her and she's kind of in shock and like her bag is kind of ripped from the back. Right. And uh, then they camera pans over and they see the side of the house just like burst open and like the world's biggest alligator. Yeah. That's also white and with red eyes just bust through the door. An it's al- an albino gator. It's an albino sure. gator that lives out in the sun in the middle of the swamp that's about the size of a cow, maybe. Somehow. It's also Somehow. fucking huge. Yeah, it's so It's giant. very large, but the, the the most unique part about it was its uh, its, its teeth organization, yeah. right? It, it looked like um, it had acquired some sort of like these extra rows of teeth that almost made it look like almost like a shark. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it lunges at them and Natalie Portman guns it down with her machine gun. And right, then yes. they start examining the creature and yeah, that's, you're right. Pace. They notice these lines of teeth. Well, that's the other part. I, I Pace, I did, I, you're correct. I didn't want to want you to discount though. The other interesting thing about this alligator it's, it's is its ability to take an entire clip from an AR 15. Yeah, dude, all the animals in this movie, like, they unload a whole machine gun and they're just like, they're just sitting there like, uh, uh, like they look like Willem yeah. Dafoe and fucking platoon or something. <laughs> it was like, a firefight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was kind of surprised at that. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like something that happened because of the shimmer or if that's like just for dramatic effect that like I, you need to unload a giant machine gun clip to take down a gator. I think it was for dramatic effect. And I think it allowed the other characters in the movie to go, Oh, where'd you learn to shoot like that? Because it was Natalie Portman firing a weapon for more than, you know, five seconds. So, yeah. But yeah, so she kills the gator and pace as pace said, they start examining it. And not only yeah. does the exterior of the gator look weird, it's got these rows of teeth and they comment that it looks like sharks rows of teeth. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's there. I think at this point they they realize that the shimmer itself is, is affecting the wildlife and causing the wildlife and the plant life to change in a very dramatic way, but they haven't yet figured out exactly what that is yet. Yeah. I think she mentions at some point that it was like, uh, hybridized with a shark or combined with a shark in some way. And so there's like this implication that, um, maybe there was like, I don't know, it was somehow combined with some other fauna. Um, that's present underneath the shimmer because the shimmer is covering like also the ocean. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, so then they keep pressing forward and the next place they arrive is the old base of the Southern reach, which is what their operating base is called the Southern reach. It's also they, the name of the trilogy that this entire thing is based on. Oh, Indeed. how clever based off a book. <laughs> yeah, It's based off of the first of three books called the Southern reach trilogy. I was looking up the books today because I was so fucking into this movie. <laughs> uh, bro, hard same. I'm probably yeah. going to read the books, yeah. to be honest. Um, but they, So they get to the old Southern Reach base, which has been overtaken by the Shimmer. But uh, it was obviously like a few years ago. It wasn't. Um, so they go to this base and they're like, okay, we'll stay here for the night. And what they find is that they're, it's clear that one of the old um, missions was also bunking there because they find a whiteboard that has guard rotation schedules. And they also see a um, video camera that says for those who follow, or it's a memory card. Yeah. They find the memory card Mm -hmm. of the, of the previous group. I'm going to let one of you describe what happens here. Cause I know that all of you can do it because there's no way you could forget what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a baggie with a, uh, it says, it says on the outside, a DVD copy of it follows. Um, and then we're able to watch, uh, that's not, that's not of, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, basically they, they flip on this, um, they, they grab this memory card and they pop it into a video camera that they've apparently had the entire time. And it's not addressed ever when they're talking about how they've lost their memories and they don't know how long they've been there, but whatever. Um, yeah, right. That's fine. Plot holes are fine. Um, and then they start watching this as a group. It becomes very apparent um, that this is left over from when Oscar Isaac's group or Kane's group was here. So Natalie, Natty Port's uh, husband. Um, she notices his name on another board. And so this is just further revelation of what has been going on. Um, and it's uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Kane, cutting open another member of their group um, in the in the tumbo. Um, so a, a real quick, sorry, retroactive uh, CW for graphic body horror. Uh, because they cut open this guy's tummy tum and his large intestine is slithering around inside of his um, abdominal cavity, uh, which was super gross and terrible. And he's just sort of yelling the whole time. And Oscar Isaac has this crazed look in his face. Um, and then he drops the knife into what appears to be a pool of water and sort of washes his hands of the whole situation. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, sorry. He cuts the guy's tum, uh, stomach open while he's still awake. And alive. Oh, yeah. No, he is very, very much awake and alive. And Natty Port obviously recognizes him uh, in the video. And I think uh, not Dr. Ventress, but one of the other characters recogni- like looks at her like, oh, dude, what? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a peek into like maybe they're going to be figuring out at some point that she's uh, related to somebody who was in there previously. And she's been keeping that a secret from everyone except Dr. Ventress. But yeah, so now that they've watched this, they're all very horrified. Uh, and then comes a portion of the scene that really bothered the shit out of me where um, 
uh, whose character was it? I believe it was Gina Rodriguez's character, Anya, uh, says, well, they're discussing like, oh my gosh, we need to see like what's going on in that video because it may be relevant to us. And Anya's like, I was a paramedic for so-and-so years and I've seen some crazy shit. You know, this was a trick of the light. There's no way that his tummy tum moved. And they're like, we have to watch it again. And she's like, you can watch it again. And I'm like, you were just said you were a paramedic for like eight years or whatever. Like you probably would be fine with watching it again. Yeah, it was super gross. But like, if you've seen some shit, I feel like you of everyone else is most qualified to be staring at gross tummy action. You'd think. Yeah, I think I think at this point they're all in they're they're all in a little bit of uh, denial of what they're of what they're experiencing. Yeah, definitely. Um, which 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 makes sense. You're trying to convince yourself that uh, and try to stay sane in this moment because also important. Keep in mind throughout this entire process, being in the shimmer is clearly affecting their brains and their sanity. Yeah, because they're not able to remember things, and it seems like they're kind of uh, going through ex- this experience in a very fragmented way. Um, which is beginning to affect like the team dynamic a little bit. So yeah, they're all stressed out. They're tired. They have no idea where they are, how long they've been out there. Yeah. Yeah. So then because they obviously just saw the most buck wild video of their entire lives, they try and confirm it. So they start look, they recognize in the video, they're like, that's in this building we think. So they start looking around and they find a room that has, uh, the remnants of the guy that was cut open, and it is crazy. So he he literally oh, man. looks it's like so cool. yeah, he looks like he turned into a giant like mold growth or something. It's crazy. So his body, like part of his skeleton, his legs are still sitting there, and the rest of his upper body and skeleton looks like it's just grown up the wall, like you know. 20 feet high or something just a giant like smattering of different colored mold and it and they f- they see the knife in the pool of water too it's pretty crazy it very much is like some tomb of horrors uh uh what is it true detective bullshit like plastered up against this wall um where the 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 person in question has turned into like some sort of plant decoration just plastered up against the wall um it's super gross and terrible to look at. It's horrifying. So they uh, they obviously are like, uh, I don't want to stay here. And then Ventress is like, uh, well, we have to because it's dark already. So does yeah. just stay here and we'll take guard shifts just like the other people were doing. That, that was another thing we failed to mention, but I thought it was funny because uh, when they first entered this compound, they're looking at the sides of the walls as they enter. And there is this... Um, very like off-colored lichen growing all over the sides of the uh, all over the sides of the walls, and Natalie Portman looks at it and goes, "Malignant." And I thought she said "malignant," and I thought it was a very good pun, and I was wrong. She actually just said "malignant" <laughs> like a tumor, and I was like, "God damn it!" Uh, you were hoping, you were hoping so much. I was hoping it was a plant pun, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, boy. <laughs> oh, so um, funny. Thanks. But it, so then they get they they set watch overnight at this place right so they're kind of like camping here over the evening yeah. um and basically in the middle of the night while this is happening natalie portman wakes up and she is the next person on watch and she goes to take over for ventress which i kind of love that name so sorry, much sorry um Ve- uh dr ventress dr ventress, dr. ventress. <laughs> and dr ventress <laughs> and 
they have they're having this conversation in this like little watch this little like um, this little hut where uh, the person on watch is is being stationed. Uh, but, and they're having kind of a philosophical conversation about like, it's, it's kind of in regards to like human nature, I think. Um, and, and what has happened to the previous groups, uh, and how they've been basically, uh, they don't know what's been happening to them. No one's returned. Uh, and so Ventress then just kind of like brings up this idea to Natalie Portman, who's a biologist. And she says to Natalie, uh, isn't like self-destruction inherent to human nature, isn't it? And like encoded into every cell, which I thought was kind of silly question to ask a biologist, because I mean, the self, she's trying to equate like the self-destructive tendencies that humans have uh, in regards to like, maybe her husband had that because uh, there was this whole deal with like, a potential affair going on between them. Uh, she was trying to equate like human self-destructive tendencies to like the self-destructive nature of like an ind- individual cell, which seemed kind of stupid right. to me. So I wanted to bring that up just really quick. As you mentioned early on, like the implication for what Natalie Portman does is that, yeah, she's a cell biologist, but the movie does a job of trying to emphasize probably too wordily that Natalie Portman specifically studies like cell death like cell growth and cell death specifically. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, all cells have inherent pathways so that if needed, the body can order them, order them to destroy themselves um, in any sort of like scenario in which you might want to get rid of a cell, like viral infection or something like that. And she's making this like philosophical argument saying that, Oh, our cells are programmed to kill themselves at some point to destroy themselves. Like, you know, isn't it just human nature to self-destroy? Right, which is, again, is silly. It's very, very silly. And that process is called apoptosis. Apoptosis! Well, some, some people call it that. Other people who appreciate the the Latin roots, um, you know, if you want to say it right, it's apoptosis, but... If you want to say it right, you got to make sure that you uh, that you say it with the, with the pop in popcorn. You got to make um, a pop. You got to apop. Apoptosis, uh, which is which is with a cheese pizza. It is self. It is self-programmed. It is self-programmed cell death. But it's very very silly for her to be making the argument in this instance that oh, cells are programmed to kill themselves. Therefore, humans have self-destructive tendencies. It's very stupid. This is very really pretty critical of this hot base. (laughs) It seemed it was it was a moment in the film where I was like "Yeah, yeah okay. Pace does not like philosophical arguments, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, I get what you're saying, that it's not the best comparison, but I don't think I found it as distasteful as you did. This is very distasteful. It was inaccurate. Philosophy and philosophical arguments are very off-brand for Pace. It's true. It's a very very true statement. So then (laughs) something, something happens. In this movie. Something does happen. Yeah. Our good friend uh, Cass, I believe, is the name of the character. Um, mm-hmm. Played by two. Yeah, she is body. the geomorphologist of the yep. group. She um, is outside and they uh, they all hear some sort of disturbance. And Natalie Portman, Natty Port looks through her uh, infrared or night vision goggles and she sees that something has cut through the fence. And they're like, oh, fuck, what's out there? Oh, I saw something. I don't know what it is. And then 
uh, Cass gets chomped on by a big monster. Um, just get a just get bit, big old monster. Just get bit on that shoulder, and then she gets dragged away into the woods, and it's terrifying. Yeah, and it's what looks like a bear, but uh, Ventures and um, Natalie Portman are the only people who see it. It's exactly. it's kind of crazy how like like. I don't know. It's not that bears can't be fast and stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily think of bears as like stealth hunters. I you know? thought it was a fucking saber toothed tiger when I saw it. Like, yeah. I, I did not think it was a bear. They're like, we saw a bear. And I was like, no, you fucking did it. Yeah. Like, no, you no, did you, not. You saw a velociraptor. You saw a large cat dragon. So, but basically Cass is disappeared into the woods into the night and they're like, uh, okay, I guess she's dead. So they're all pretty torn up about this. And then in the morning they take off and they're like, I guess we got to keep pushing on where they have a conversation. Uh, the rest of the group where half the group wants to turn back and try and leave. And Natalie Portman and ventures want to keep going. And Natalie Portman basically tells them like, I think it's better if we keep going because we'll hit the coast where the lighthouse right. is and then we can follow that out. She was like, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get out of here. Um, and we might get lost. And that was sort of her trying to push her own agenda of wanting to continue forward because she still yeah. kind of wants to know what's going on. Well, and eventually the argument, too, is is that, like, well, it took us six days to get where we are now, and the lighthouse is two days away, so we might as well just fucking go south so we know where we are and then leave. Yeah, because it's, like, six days as far as they can remember, but they don't, like, know if they've had any more memory lapses. Right, because nobody's just writing shit down on post-it notes, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they, they then decide that, uh, after a long debate, they're going to go and, uh, move forward, uh, despite the arguments of the other two, um, members of the group. Uh, and they basically, uh, come across Cass's foot, um, like her literally disembodied foot, right. uh, who got attacked by the bear. Uh, Natalie Portman goes off by herself, which was probably the most unbelievable God. aspect of this film so fucking stupid they don't even use the buddy system no like you always in this situation thing. yes we said <laughs> we said the same thing in the situation when you are going off after a dead you know to be a deadly predator you're gonna want to bring somebody with you make no sense for her to go off by herself don't split the um, party god damn it you never split the party D rules apply here yeah don't split the party so they natalie portman discovers Cass's dead body uh it, we were not surprised by this. She was dead. Um, and then, so then she then returns to the group uh, and says, yep, she's dead, uh, which was actually very anticlimactic in the moment. Oh, God, um, no. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, that's what happened. And they then continue on. And uh, if I remember correctly, they in, encounter basically kind of this like old house as their next kind of like, uh, kind of like stopping point to camp. Yeah. Yeah. They, they encounter this like, <laughs> sorry yeah, um, they encounter this old house <laughs> I mean that's what it is and there's a bunch of like human shaped shrub- shrubberies on the outside just like the PBS show yeah and they're all this was a very special moment they're, yes they're all crafting stuff from wood yes yes <laughs> I'm sorry okay sorry this was a bad joke can I mute you I can mute you right <laughs> no I mean no don't please <laughs> listen you make a lot of bad jokes Ken. I don't want to hear it you talked about Dennis the Menace for a long time. You just edit that stuff out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but in this, in this is a very important moment in the movie um, where they get to this house and there are these human-shaped plants that have grown uh, outside of this house. 
and I think it's uh, it's the physicist. I can't remember what her what her name is, um, but uh, her and and Natalie Portman are having a conversation. Having a conversation, and Natalie Portman's like these plants have have acquired like the structure of humans. It's got to be Hox genes. No, um, well Jess says that. Is it is it Jess? Yeah, Jess I thought it was Natalie. That. No, Jose, Nat- Natalie Jose. basically. Natalie says like, oh, they've grown like this. Like basically saying like, they're not like trimmed hedges that look like humans, you know, like they've grown this. Right. Right. Character Josie made the implication that if you were to sequence these, the, the genomes from these plants that you would find Hox genes within them. Right. Oh, it's Josie. Shit. Yeah. And for, if the, like for the listeners, like Hox genes are basically, you could view them as like a blueprint for like the body plan of certain organisms. Like we know they're in like, like house flies and other things like that. And they're like, they, they out like the genes like encode for like the, the body structure of what, of what makes something look, uh, look like it does. And so there are similar genes in humans. And so what she's basically saying is, Oh, these plants have acquired somehow these human Hox genes. Yeah. They are developmental genes that like like Pace said they do the body plan but yeah so I don't know what do you think about what she says here like that the plants acquired Hox genes yeah so at this point like uh, what's her name Jesse Josie 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 yes Josie gives us a rundown of what she thinks is happening so and in a description that was actually pretty hard to follow but I guess I get it because she's trying to piece it together as she's talking but she's saying like we thought that the radio waves were just getting lost, but I think they're actually getting reflected by the the Gungan shield. Um, and what she's trying to <laughs> ultimately imply is that she thinks it's acting like a prism, and it's actually like refracting things back in on themselves. There's this brief moment where she turns on a radio and she like hears noise in it. She goes, "Yeah, that's us," or something like that. And then she makes the implication that even DNA is being refracted inside of the shimmer which never mind the fact that dna doesn't just produce signals that radiate out everywhere yeah but (laughs) what she's trying to imply is that the 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 structures that they see in front of them these like people-shaped plants or these people turned into plants or whatever they are that somehow either the plants have had human dna refracted into them causing them to adopt hox genes and then form a body plan, right? So they look like people or that these are people who've had plant DNA refracted into them and they have just turned into plants. Um, and so it's supposed to be this idea that like, that's maybe why we saw the alligator with shark teeth is because there was something about shark DNA that was refracted into an alligator um, causing it to be like hybridized with a shark. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's all it's all nonsense, nonsense garbage that makes no sense. Fucking <laughs> nonsense garbage, crazy talk. Yeah. So, uh, Sean is our resident geneticist. What do you what do you think about this? Uh, wow, I'm the resident geneticist. I was trying to, uh, so I'm trying to play like devil's advocate with the movie and sort of think of a way yeah, that we have this like extraterrestrial phenomenon that obviously can do things that aren't normally done on earth. Right. So I'm trying to give it a lot of liberties. So the best way I could think that this would actually be working is that it's like selectively mutating and rearranging DNA in order to change the expression profile of like cells in an organism. And I don't know if that was a little too jargony, but basically like what they're trying to convey in the movie is that the cells are now just like 
behaving like cells from other animals. So they're expressing yeah. different like proteins and stuff from those animals. And so what you're saying is that, that it's, it's altering even the cell type at a basic level so that those cells adopt the characteristics of cells that you would find in different organisms. Like for instance, that might grow out of Josie's arms later on in the movie. And she turns into a whole ass plant because all of her individual skin cells have become plant cells. Yeah. Like, so the thing is that's sort of what they're trying to argue. And I think that like, you can go as far to say that the shimmer is causing mutations in cells, but like the fact one, the fact that these mutations aren't harmful. I mean, they, they are harmful in some extent, but really they're like gain of function mutations. Like they're giving some added thing, like, turning a cell into a plant like it's changing the way an entire cell behaves which is not normally how mutations work because mutations like hit your dna and they fuck up the existing function and then the cells die because they have that pre-programmed cell death that we talked about pace what happens if you what happens if you chop and screw some of the that cell dna my boy well there's a couple things i want to say here first is is that like I'll, I'll answer your question first. Thanks. If you chop and if you chop and screw, <laughs> if you chop and screw some of that DNA, normally this might happen from like UV radiation or something that can make this happen. Right. But if you chop and screw some of that DNA, uh, you're going to like obviously induce different types of mutations. Um, but like the most one of the common types that would happen. Uh, is that basically it would it would cause the gene to no longer work? Your genes would no longer function because of the mutation. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't cause some sort of like transitive property of of gene function to where your shark gene now works in an alligator. What also is really weird in the situation is that they're making the assumption the problem is that genes in DNA do not get like whenever. It, animal dies or something, then it's not going to get released into the atmosphere to be refracted and somehow transferred into a receiving organism. That part doesn't make any sense to me. Um, maybe you can comment on that. I think also that like, even if we give them the benefit of the doubt that somehow like the shimmer is essentially turning on like shark genes in a human or something like that. Right. Not all species have the same genetic material. Like it's just not, a thing right so like yeah i know for like mice and humans we have like 90 something percent genetic uh identity shared between the two of us and like monkeys have like 99 percent. so obviously between like other closely related mammalian species like we have a pretty strong genetic identity so i would get that but like plants we're not related to plants like at all and like sharks and stuff like that they're very very different like we have totally different genes totally different dna like different cellular structures it it's kind of crazy that to say that even if you could like selectively turn on genes from different species that it would work and it's it's worth noting that in regards to comparing like the entire genome of a human and like a, a common like like weed type plant, there's only 18% similarity in DNA. Oh, okay. So, and this is, and like, and this is, you can imagine what this might be. Like plants behave very differently than humans do. Like right. they can convert sunlight, you know, and carbon dioxide gas into sugar for their, for their, their metabolism. Like we obviously can't do that. We're very, very different from plants. Uh, and so to even suggest that there would be some sort of compatibility between 
you know, that uh, the genetic blueprint for a plant and a human is pretty absurd. Yeah. And even if you could make the cell human cells turn into plant cells, they're part of like a multicellular organism. Like this, the plant cells need nutrients delivered to them that human cells necessarily don't necessarily need, you know, like human cells right. use oxygen and plant cells right. use carbon dioxide and the human body is designed to deliver certain things to certain places. So it's just kind of crazy that this could be happening and they wouldn't just be dying, you know? So at this point in the film, uh, Anya has basically gone a little cray cray uh, and has basically overnight in their current um, camping spot. They, she has tied them all up in chairs um, basically because she has found uh, Natalie Portman's um, it's like a locket or something she has that has her husband's picture. Right. Um, and again, up until this point, she had been lying to them about how she had a relationship with a previous person that had come inside the shimmer. Right. And Ani is basically saying, you know, all we know is that people either uh, kill each other or get killed in here. And she's basically now touting conspiracy theories that like, you know, Oh, only Ventress and Natalie Portman saw the bear. Right. So maybe they were lying, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And at this point, when we think that Anya is about to start like killing them and go crazy, we hear some disturbing things. Uh, we hear Cass's voice, the cast, the, the, the geomorphologist who got killed by the bear. We hear her voice yelling help. And then the bear <laughs> comes into the house uh, 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 and Cass is not there. Cass is not there, but we hear her voice coming from the bear. This is a very disturbing moment. And there's a reason that we actually find this disturbing is that this bear is, it looks kind of like a bear, but it's not a bear. It has this weird exposed part of its <laughs> skull that's like exposed, right? And it's now speaking with Cass's voice, which is terrifying in and of itself. Suppose yeah. I think that, go ahead, sorry. I'm oh, sorry, I was gonna say, you know what I think, like the worst part was that it was like a horrifying bear scream of help me from Cass's voice in the bear's mouth. It sort of, you know, was the uh, like a nightmarish hellscape of a bear. And I've, I'm not, right. a, big, I'm not a big fan of that sort of stuff, so. <laughs> right, well, and did I miss you saying that like Anya runs out to try and help Cass because she thinks he's out there? She does do that, yes, uh, and then and then it doesn't it doesn't go well for her in this moment. Uh, well, I mean, there, there's there's a tussle, there's a tussle between. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, essentially, essentially, what happens here is that the the bear gets gets very very close, I think, to uh, to thrashing Natalie Portman to death, and then and then I can't remember who it, who it is who just completely unloads a clip on the bear. Josie does, yeah. Josie uh, does. Basically, the bear circles all of them, and it's very spooky, scary, and it's making Cassie noises or cast noises. Yeah. At them. Oh yeah. God, yeah. I, guys! I fucking love this scene. It was rad. It uh, was one of the coolest scenes in the film. It was yeah. unexpectedly horrifying. Like I did not picture. You know, when you hear a voice yelling "help," and then a bear walks into the scene, you're like, "Oh, that bear got them." And then the bear opens its mouth, and the the words "help me" come out. You're like, "Oh, okay, this is." Yeah, good. This is terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Anya Anya runs back into the house uh, when they're like the bear is about to attack Josie, and she's like, "Get away from her, you bitch!" And then starts firing her gun at the bear, and the bear runs over and gives Anya a really big hug. 
um, which Anya does not survive with its teeth, with its mouth. Yep. Yeah, and, it eats. It eats her all up. It eats. It just gets in there. Um, and then while this is happening, everybody tries to break their chairs. The bear comes back and tries to also kiss Natalie Portman, and she's trying to scramble away. And then as the bear is trying to mess her up, Josie gets her bonds off, and as Pace mentions, unloads an entire clip. Uh, from an AR into the bear's uh, dome piece. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's uh, pretty grotesque. It is not not violent. I, I did also want to mention a scene that actually happens like right before they go to bed. Uh, Natalie Portman takes some of her own blood and looks oh, at yeah. it in a microscope because they're all they're all starting to feel the mental effects of being inside the shimmer. And they saw the video of the previous individual who had like essentially giant like tentacles growing inside of his body. Yeah. And so they're all kind of like, we know this shit is affecting our bodies. Like I need to see. So she takes some of her blood, looks at it under a microscope and sees her cells divide. And one of them is like shimmering. So right. and they change color. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the cells don't look like human cells at all just in the first place. But I don't know. We don't have to get into this minutia. Like we yeah. have spent a while on it, but it's just something I thought we should bring up. It's interesting that they choose to, they color the cells a different color to indicate that they're becoming a different type of cell, which is not a thing that happens, but also it's visually useful for the viewer. Yes. It's, it's supposed to signify the mutations that are happening literally inside them in this moment somehow. Right. Um, from this refraction of DNA within the shimmer. Um, but at this point in the film, uh, Ventress is like, all this happened. I don't care. I'm still going to the White House because that I think I think uh, we learned this point that Ventress might be sick with uh, a life threatening illness. Um, and so she's basically in it for the long haul. Um, so basically, Ventress makes her way to the lighthouse, which is, again, as we know, is the source of this entire anomaly in the first place. And uh, at this point, and uh, only Natalie follows her, Natalie Portman. Well, Josie decides to die, basically. She says, "She says, uh, uh, Ventress wants to face it. You want to run away from it. I think I feel differently about it. And then she begins to turn into a plant, walks around the corner, and Natalie lose, loses sight of her among all of the other plant people. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, Josie has become one with the Earth, one might say. Yeah, she's a druid. Josie's the yeah, first she's druid. A druid. The first druid. There was Scenarius right next to her as well, who was teaching her how to do this entire thing. I like that joke, and there are going to be a couple of other people that also like that joke. <laughs> I can't make heads or tail of this nerd shit. It's okay. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> so we get to the lighthouse scene, and Natalie Portman walks inside, and she basically sees this corpse, which is which is uh, sitting crisscross applesauce style uh, in the corner of the room, and she thinks, "Huh, that's kind of strange." And she also notices this kind of uh, this hole in the wall of the lighthouse, which appears to be where the uh, like initial manifestation of whatever is happening here has occurred. So once Natalie Portman she sees the corpse, she also sees a video camera that's uh, facing directly at the corpse, which is obviously very curious because uh, she wants to figure out what has happened in this situation. So she goes to the video camera, and conveniently enough. Uh, she can basically see this footage of her husband, Kane. And importantly, in this moment, he's beginning to question like everything he's experienced inside this bubble, yeah. right? And he doesn't know who he is and if he is himself. 
And what you basically see him do is take, I think, is it, is it, a, is it a plasma grenade? It's a phosphorus, a phosphorus grenade. Phosphor- I'm, thinking, phosphorus. I'm thinking Halo. Yeah, he, takes, he, he kills himself with a plasma grenade. He, he sticks yeah, he, himself. He, he just BXRs himself right out of there, you know? <laughs> I, I don't get that joke. Oh, that's cool. That was my nerd shit. <laughs> yes. He, he blows himself up with a phosphorus grenade, and yet in the footage we see coming from behind the camera, a second cane, like a, literally a second right. copy of Natalie Portman's husband. She's obviously very taken aback by this. And before he does this, he, he actually addresses that unknown person behind the camera. He says, you know, am I you? Are you me? Right. Have I ever been me? Right. And it's very confusing up until you're right at the point. Kane, the second Kane, Nega Kane, Bizarro Kane, <laughs> walks up in, in front of the camera and looks back at the camera very ominously, wearing the same garb that uh, Natalie sees him in at the very beginning of the movie when he shows back up at the house. Yeah. Yes. And he says, go find Natalie to the doppelganger. I mean, he doesn't say Natalie, but. He know. doesn't say, go find Natalie. <laughs> you know. He says, go find. Uh, Lena is her name. Kelly. Oh, Lena. Or whatever. Oh, it is Lena. You're right. Sorry. Um, so I, she's, she's pretty taken aback by this, obviously. Like, it, I think it makes her second guess a lot of what she's experienced up to this point. But then she begins to hear Ventress's voice, Dr. Ventress. Coming, <laughs> coming out of the hole in the wall, right? Yep. She's like singing the Itsy Bitsy, Bitsy Spider or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she's definitely singing. It's a very, it's very like ASMR soothing, like echoey voice. I, um, I want to say that all hell breaks loose here, but I feel like all hell broke loose the second they crossed into the shimmer. I think that's yeah. fair to say. But here it's very like not science it's so abstract which right sorry go ahead i was saying it's kind of mesmerizing though like you're watching this and you're like what the fuck is going on but i can't look away you know this is the point in the movie where we cross from like science fiction to basically the plot of event horizon or prometheus like it just (laughs) goes fucking buck wild at this point yes so natalie goes down into this this basically hole in the wall inside the lighthouse and where she's hearing echoes of Dr. Ventress's voice. And she gets into the bottom. And at this point, what we see is no longer anything like of this world. It's very, very clear that you're in like some sort of alien domain. Um, but she still sees Dr. Ventress and she's basically speaking nonsense, yeah. right? Like she's half singing, half like talking about how, it, how this being is going to like expand and uh and take over right, everything saying it's eventually it's just going to encompass everything and like we will be it blah 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 she was like we yes, are the yes. shimmer we are right. shimmer yes. and she we is shimmer she explodes um she turns into a big fire emoji um and a lot <laughs> of does. light comes out of her and she screams a lot um and then all of that uh flies around lena um natty port and you know, we get this close up of like some of those light bits dividing as cells as the movie drives home this idea that like cellular structure and all that other stuff. And then it turns into this giant fractal cloud light hole, basically, that Natalie Portman is just staring into for an extended period of time until a drop of blood flies out of her face uh, and into that that light tunnel. Um, and it creates a humanoid yeah, it looks like a, like a metallic sort of like humanoid figure. Sort of like a uh, Terminator 2 type 
type yeah, figure. It actually looks at her and says, "Like, have you seen this boy? Have you seen this boy?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but like, the, I think importantly though, before the drop of blood goes into this being, I think that's like the native being's right. state, right? This this alien, it's it looks kind of like if you've played StarCraft, it looks like the probes that are on Protoss side, oh, little oh, workers. They're kind of look like um, uh, they're they're like these like just these kind of tiny like tiny floating uh, almost like cylindrical but like uh, f- like forward looking robots and um, oh boy then once it, <laughs> no, just, sorry uh, a lot of Starcraft a lot of nerd shit over here oh, yeah I know <laughs> uh, I know and then and then once it absorbs her genetic material it turns into a T one thousand it turns into a, a uh, a T thousand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and she's like, "Fuck!" And I think she unloads a, a clip into it uh, before running out of the tunnel. Does she? Does she shoot it? With yeah, the- she, she shoots, shoots it. it, and like pieces of it like fly around, but like stay attached to it. Yeah, it like doesn't very, seem okay. phased at all. Oh yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. So then she climbs out of the tunnel. She's trying to get out of the lighthouse. And the thing follows her, but it's not following her in like a uh, aggressive manner it looks almost like it's like curious about her right like it's just sort of it's mimicking her movement so she gets into the lighthouse floor and this thing is literally just walking around the room mirroring what she does like she attacks it it punches her in the face because she punched it so it's mirroring her and Natalie, natalie actually blacks out yeah and she's like covered in blood wakes back up the thing is laying on the floor in the same position as her and they have this sort of like dance almost this like back and forth where like it is she is trying to figure out what this thing is and what it's doing and she's also partially insane from her time in the shimmer yep and uh they kind of have this back and forth where like it's pushing against her it's like like cutting off her air by pushing her into the wall and everything and they eventually get to a point where she slowly walks over to one of the phosphorus grenades that's sitting in the abandoned pack that Kane left when he killed himself there. And she puts the phosphorus grenade in the thing's hands and then pulls the pin out and runs out of the lighthouse. Yep. Killing it and burning down the lighthouse and everything around it as it stumbles back into, I guess like the HR Geiger style spaceship that they both crawled out of. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Like the thing is is essentially like holding this phosphorus grenade in its hand and it's sort of just like looking at it like, oh, that's interesting. Like, wow, this is cool. Like uh. it's very just like a curiosity sort of like it, it, everything in the world is strange to it. So it's sort of just staying there right. like burning and then it gets to the point where it, like it starts burning and everything that the shimmer has like sort of changed starts burning also. Like there are these giant glass trees like outside of the... Yeah. Uh, lighthouse and they just like start burning and then all crumple into ash so that's sort of how most of this ends right and then she the next thing we know is she's back in her room with um bennett wong right what's his name benedict benedict wong (laughs) benedict wong yeah not bennett (laughs) benedict wong and she's telling him all of this yeah he she basically he basically rounds out the end of the movie for us saying, you know, he's interested in what the alien wanted or what it was doing or what it looked like. And she doesn't remember or just straight up doesn't know because the alien didn't, you know, fucking monologue for her or anything. Um, and then we cut eventually through, I, I think there's a minor scene in between, but her 
being reintroduced to uh, Cain, her husband, and confronting him and saying, you know, you're not Cain, are you? And he's like, I don't think so. And then he looks at her and they hug each other. And then their irises shimmer different colors. And then the credits roll. And we're all like, what? There what is, does it mean? There was one tiny subplot that we didn't really cover where she essentially had an affair with her oh, yeah. colleague from work. And that's sort of what is... With the homewrecker. Yeah, it was with Dan the, the homewrecker. Home and it's sort of like alluded to that this like division in their marriage kind of drove her uh Kane to volunteer for this like suicide mission. Right, but right. It's not super important to the plot, but I just wanted to, you know, bring that up because I know we talked about him being a homewrecker earlier that seemed a little out of context. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, he just yeah. is a homewrecker. Yeah, he just fucked that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the credits roll and that's the movie. Yep, that's it. That's the that's movie. Last movie. That is the movie. We did it. <sighs> we did it. There's one quick thing I just want to like talk about. And that is like the nature of the alien life, right? Like, I think that as humans, if we always worry the most, like when, if we were to encounter alien life, they would be hostile. Right. And that's based upon like what we know about how life exists on earth, but it's, that's almost a feature that's exclusive to humans though. Right. Like, Every other animal that we encounter, we assume just kind of like exists based upon instinct in and in and of itself, right? It's only humans that actually are capable of of immorally uh, acting, honestly. So that's why I think it's not that weird that the alien life is is fairly uh, harmless. I mean, animals can be hostile too. They can be hostile, yeah. but not malicious. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, no, I know what you're saying. The intent is different with humans relative to animals, but it doesn't right. mean that the behavior can't also be hostile. I think True. it's very common True. in Hollywood to demonize uh, um, extraterrestrial life in general, just because like yes. the idea of an alien invasion ma- makes for decent movies. I mean, everyone knows and loves Mars Attacks. So, of course, right. it's a, it makes a better story if the aliens are hostile. But this movie... And this got brought up while we were discussing it pre-recording, but this movie actually does a much, 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 much better job of making the argument and convincing us pretty well of the argument that this, as you say, monster or alien is not hostile in, in, in its intent. It's just trying to sort of adapt and live, which was the argument that the last movie we watched, Life, was trying to make and did not sell all that well. Yeah, exactly. That was what we talked about it on last episode. We like we discussed that the movie's trying to say like, Oh, the aliens just trying to survive. And I'm like, that is not what this alien was doing in life. But in this movie, this alien was legitimately just like curious about its surroundings. And that was it. You know, the alien just wanted to be Natalie Portman, which to be honest, I mean, I think is a feeling that everyone shares. (laughs) Should we rate this bad boy? (laughs) (laughs) Holy fuck. Are you tired? Kenan? So fucking tired. All right. It's almost midnight. Then you can lead off with the ratings, you little sleepy, sleepy man. I'm a sleepy boy. Uh, this movie is great. I fucking love this movie. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. There were, uh, I think, as my father put it, because he did uh, submit a question um, this week, My a friend of the podcast, Dr. Julian Smith, uh, Julian, Julian Polk Stuart Smith III, um, 
<laughs> he so he royal. said plot hell plot holes you could drive a rainbow fo- fog through. This movie nice. has a fuckload of plot holes. Dr. Robbie Zeno will talk to uh, can talk to us a little bit about how um, where those plot holes are because. I was talking to him a lot while I was watching this movie and he has read the book and he says a lot of those plot holes are filled in by the book. Um, so I fucking get it. Yeah. That said, I think the concept is extremely intriguing. The visuals are amazing and everyone who is in this acts their asses off. Um, they do a really, really good job. So I'm actually probably going to give this movie a five out of five for entertainment. TBH. Nice. Yes, yeah, this gets a perfect a perfect score. How about that science, Kenan? Um, I'm not. I don't want to talk too long about this. I think the movie does a decent job of. There's a little bit of like. There's a little bit of stuff that this movie does that is a little verbose for what it needs to explain. For instance, saying that they could have just said Natalie Portman's a cell biologist because that's accurate. Um, I don't think it uses too much jargon. I understand its intent and it does a good job of leaving enough vague so that it doesn't have to try and explain its way out of a box later. So I'm actually probably going to give the science a four out of five for this. Um, Interesting. Because it very interesting. What it does cover, I think is fine, but it does what a science fiction film should do, which is explain enough to, in order to show a story and, this movie in particular actually shows you a lot of what's going on and then leaves it up to your interpretation instead of trying to bullshit its way through it. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Shawnee? Okay, fine, you? I'll go. Sorry, what? No, what about you, Pace? Fuck oh, you, Sean. Wow, okay. Go ahead, Pace. I Damn. I don't care, I guess. I mean, I can, I can surely go. In regards to the science, I am going to give it a four out of five. Um, and hey, that's, and my that's, uh, yeah, and that's and that's because I think that it did drawing off some of what uh, Kenan was saying. Um, this movie showed you a lot of the science without explaining it, and I just like that because it was different from what we've seen before a lot of the time. Um, but they did a really, really good job of introducing all these great ideas in regards to how, uh, in this new completely fictional environment uh, biology as we know it might be changing and being affected uh, by this sort of like prism uh, reflection aspect of the DNA and everything else going on. It's not sound. I don't think it could actually happen, but Mm -hmm. it was incredibly interesting and invoked really great thought experiments on our part. Um, and, and, I th- and I think that they, they did their homework in regards to just laying the groundwork for the basic concepts they're working with and just let our imaginations run wild with how, what was actually happening in the movie. Oh, yeah. um, in the regards to the entertainment factor, I'm going to give it a five out of five because I was just completely immersed and actually mesmerized by this film. Uh, the scene in the, in the lighthouse with the alien interactions, uh, I could not peel my eyes away from that screen I was while so this good. was happening. So um, we've watched a lot of movies for this, this, for this podcast. There are very, very few that I would tell listeners like you absolutely hundred percent have to go and watch this film. Uh, This is the one that I would probably put in the top three easily. If not at the top of the list, you have to go see this movie. All right, Sean. Um, I agree with everything you guys said for the science, but I'm going to give it a three out of five because I think that uh, some of the, the core, 
I, I think they did a good job trying to explain this like very abstract phenomenon of what was going on. But I think that like the core principle of what was happening is like still not made physically. Like it's not realistically possible, even in the universe that they've set up, you know, right. Based on like what they're trying to justify is like, this is how this is changing our environment. It's not actually possible. So I think that like, because their core principle is flawed, I'm going to give it a three out of five, but I think the things, some of the things you said about the accessibility of the science and stuff and like how they do have some, they don't overdo it with like jargon and stuff. And it doesn't really, it, the thing with this movie is the story is not super dependent on the science. Like it's yeah, not, yeah. the science is there to sort of try and make sense of what, how the humans would interact with this phenomenon if it were to occur. But it's not like crucial to the development of the movie. So I'm giving me a three out of five. So that being oh, said, yeah. the entertainment of this movie, I'm hands down giving a five out of five. This is like yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the better movies I've seen in like a long time. Pace and I were sitting on my couch just in complete silence, staring at the movie at the end of it. We were like <laughs> for the whole last like 45 minute scene where she's with the alien pace. And I are just quietly staring at the screen. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore, but like we, we that rarely happens. Yeah. It was really like, it grabbed our attention like a hundred percent because I was just so, so invested in what was going on. I was literally like, I don't know. I think it's an incredible movie and I think the, the graphics I can't like. So a lot of newer movies just have better graphics intrinsically because we have really good, I don't know. Animators have a lot of tools at their disposal in the year 2018, but the graphics really added to the actual, like plot and significance of the movie. It wasn't like, Oh look, look how cool these graphics are. It was like the world that they've created is the reason that the movie is so, so cool. You know? Yeah. The small, the small touches like having sand on the beach turn into giant glass trees, like drove home their point that genes are getting transposed everywhere. And like what you're seeing and some organism is being transposed into some sort of different object or something like that. Like I, I, those, those touches, like you say, are only driven home by the visual effects. And I, th- I thought it served the movie well. Yeah, they so. nailed it. Hell yeah. Five out of five. Fuck yeah, dude. Do you guys want to do some listener questions? Uh, Please. Let's do them fast. <laughs> All right. So first one comes from uh, uh, to us from? My mouth is not cooperating. Uh, in front of the podcast, Dr. Robbie Zinna, his question Robbie. is, is it possible to mutate and refract human hox genes to turn them into a plant human hybrid? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Fucking agree. Yeah. Plants I think, hox genes. yeah. What they're trying to do in this movie, I think is a little bit like more vacuous than that. Like, again, they're trying to say that like genes are getting shuffled and that, you know, piecemeal different parts of organisms are being turned into other organisms while still maintaining some characteristics of the original ones. So, you know, these plants have a body plan because either, you know, a hox gene got tossed into it, like human hox genes got tossed into them and suddenly they're making, you know, head to tail a person or vice versa. So, which is bullshit. I should clarify that I don't necessarily know that plants don't have something homologous to Hox genes, but I 
would assume based on our lack of genetic identity with plants that it's unlikely based on what the role of Hawkshanes are in humans. I just want to say that in case someone, I don't have a Twitter, so I don't know what I'm worried about, but you know, I just wanted to get in front of it. <laughs> well, and, and like, you're, you're right, Sean. And I was, I was like, what I was going to comment on that is that like what an organism looks like and how it's structured is based upon a lot of the developmental genes that, uh, that come into play. And that's why, you know, for example, humans and plants look so different is because they develop in a completely different way. Um, and so that just reinforces the argument that there's, that there's not going to be that, that level of homology between humans and plants, especially in regards to the, the basics, like genes that encode the structure of how we look. Sure. Right. I think you could make the, make an assumption that plants do in fact have a, uh, have a set of genes that dictate their body plan. Um, otherwise they would just grow very erratically. Um, but they're probably not Hawks genes. I would assume. I would, I would no. assume those is exclusive to members of Chordata. Very good. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to explain that. Um, so the I have so many fucking questions from friend of the podcast, William. Uh, I think it's Camelli, um, but I know him, so I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, William Clemley. Um, very, very pretty last name. He, I'm going to uh, pick and choose a couple of these. He says, how fast would one be able to see cells divide under a microscope? Because we see this a couple times in the movie. Oh, that's a great oh, point. That's a good not question. that fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, certainly not as fast as what is what is being visualized here. Yeah, I, I think that mitosis normally takes what, like 20 or 25 minutes ish? Um, yeah. Depending on the cell, right? Yeah, depending on cell type, of course. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly I, longer than a few seconds. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess yeah. it depends. Like if you're looking at like a, like a, what's it called? A freaking. Um, like amoeba or a protozoa or something, they will have like sections yeah. of the cell that they can like branch off pretty fast, but it still takes, it's not like seconds. Like you don't glance at a microscope like, Oh, look at that. It just divided and then glance back. Like yeah. that doesn't happen. It's, it's definitely on the, the like the minutes to hour range yeah. for cell division. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. William also makes a couple of other points in the movie, just sort of how like characters lo- lose track of time at the beginning of the movie, but that's never addressed afterwards. Great point. Um, they talk about, yeah, they, they talk about like, there's a bunch of other mutations that are being caused, but, uh, and we touched on this a little bit, but like, you know, you would obviously get deleterious mutations, mutations that would cause cancer and things like that far before you would end up with, you know, things that turn you into a plant monster. Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, and then one of the other points that they made are, Oh, <laughs> this one was good. Uh, it was funny that how uh, an anthropologist, a paramedic, and a physicist all look at the biologist like they're a god when she says what she does for a living. They're, oh, whoa, 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 you're a biologist? Yeah, seriously. Yes. Well, what a glamorous yeah, that made, that life we live. no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the physicist and, like, the geomorphologist would be in a much more, like, prestigious position. You're right. In, I- <laughs> like, the scientific community than a a lowly biologist. <laughs> I mean, never, never mind the fact that like I'm a biochemist, and when somebody tells me they're a physicist, I just assume they're a fucking wizard. Oh yeah, I mean, because yes. they, they are. Physics is magic. Yeah. Yes, physics. Physics is magic bullshit, and I don't know why it works. And congrats yeah. to all of you physicists out there. Yes, no yeah, shit. Yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, we just blasted particles together and you know blew them to pieces, and you're like, wow, that's kind of amazing. I wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, yeah. does stuff work like this? Yeah, sort of, maybe, and always, and also everything all at once. 
Uh, and I can find ways to justify that with math, but only in certain scenarios. Ah, cool physics. Thanks. Very clear. Yeah. Very clear response. Preach. I feel yeah. like biology is more in vogue. Yeah, biology, I guess, in is vogue. more in vogue. Yeah, like, I mean, in movies, like, like they're talk, they're looking at her like she's a god because they're like, oh, you know about how life works and cells divide and stuff, which is like... I, I guess that, like, it is cool to know, like, at the molecular level what makes life tick. Um, but that's the extent of how crazy stuff we know. That's about it. We got two more correspondences. Uh, from people who uh, reached out to us about the podcast. Uh, in front of the podcast, Heather Drew says, fun fact, it's written by a Tallahassee-based artist and Area X is based on the St. Mark's National Wildlife Refu- Refuge. It's fucking rad because go Florida. Um, yeah, and then a uh, sort of friend of the podcast, Douglas Miller says, can you do the <laughs> Goosebumps movie next? Um, no. No, because next we're going to do Ex Machina. Ex Machina. God damn it. <laughs> wow, you mean, you mean it. Wow. Say it right, what? Uh, so we're going to do X Machina. X Machina. X Machina. X Machina. X Machina. We're, we're, we're going to do X Machina is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about AI because uh, we didn't want to cover artificial intelligence. Um, and we didn't want to cover Bicentennial Man because none of us wanted to cry all together. Or watch a terrible movie. Yeah. It's a touching story about how Robin Williams gets a dick. <laughs> that's that's totally that's accurate. the plot. That's, that's a fucking plot. Don't talk to me about it. So we are doing X Machina. And for those of you who are curious, uh, we did not cover Blindness this week because I watched it on Tuesday, um, and then immediately started sending messages to uh, the other boys saying we're not, we can't fucking do this. There's no science in it. It's Lord of the Flies with blind people and more violence. So, like, not really on brand for us. So, this is why we're doing, uh, that's why we did, uh, I mean, I zero regrets with switching. Oh, movies. yeah. And yeah. Uh, Annihilation um, has also been suggested to us, and I fucking enjoyed it. So, <laughs> yeah, it was very yeah. good. And, and I don't want to dump on blindness because I'm sure under a different context, like, it's an enjoyable movie, and Mark Ruffalo and the rest of the cast do a great job. But no thanks. Yes. Pass not for real science. Not for us, boy. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Beautiful. That's it's all we got. almost midnight and I want to sleep real bad. I'm so tired. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, Pace, where can we find you on the internet, my lad? You can find me on the interwebs at a Michael C. Pace. Please talk to me. Yeah. Pace is uh, working his way up in the science writing world and he writes very good articles on LinkedIn that you can read. Oh, thank you, Kenan. Yeah. I am working on that. Pump that brand, baby. Hey, Kenan. Where yeah, people, what's up? Where, hey, where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, Pace already said that I currently live in Durham, North Carolina. Um, so <laughs> if you want to yeah, hit, hit me up on my mobile, um, we'll get a beer, maybe a cider, uh, hang out, go out to the Eno, I think is the name of the river. Maybe just yes, like float. Yes, correct. Uh, nice. Yeah, see? but like in 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 the inter interwebs world. Oh, you meant not in the meat so, space. Wait, so right, you yeah. basically want people to find you in Durham and hang out by the river with you? Yeah, <laughs> by the river. Okay, <laughs> I'm at LOL on Twitter and everything else. You can talk to me there. Please don't That's fucking walk up to me in Durham. It'll make me so uncomfortable. No, no, definitely. <laughs> if you recognize Kenan in Durham, you should definitely walk up to him. I'm on the other side of a microphone here, so I can mask my my social anxiety behind. The the, digi- the digital age so pass <laughs> okay what about you Sean oh uh, you can't Go ahead. can't find me so you Sean can- why don't you uh, get involved what do you want me to do 
What do you want me to do? Uh, maybe post on your Twitter. How about, how about what? I, here's what I can offer you, listeners. If you come to Gainesville right. and find me in the street somewhere, <laughs> then I will go to a river with you. <laughs> just like Kenan. There's. I don't think there's a whole lot of rivers around here. There's a lot of swamps. There are springs though, everywhere. Go. I mean, springs and rivers yeah, are basically uh, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah the thing can, is, though, Sean's never in the streets. You and Sean uh, can hold hands and float down a spring together. Yeah, actually, you can get you can get uh, inner tubes here. You can go tubing on these springs, and you can hold hands and you can float together on acid. So that's where and kiss. That's where I am, uh, floating on this on the springs, just with I actually. So (laughs) I'm normally every day. Get stop it every day after work. No, this is important. I'm at the springs (sighs) in an inner tube, and next to me is just an empty inner tube, and I have my arm outstretched, just waiting for someone to join me. But if you really want to set that up, uh, you should comment on the Facebook page. So that's Real Science Cast on (laughs) Facebook, and then we're bringing it around. We can schedule a time to meet at the springs and hold hands together. If you really want to really, really help us out, uh, the best thing any of you could do for us is to hop on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, please. That helps us uh, climb that ladder, and then more people will listen to the stupid, silly bullshit that we say, and then we'll get famous, and then one day we'll all be as rich as Elon Musk, and then we can use our money for useful shit instead of sending a car Yeah, we can, like, um, what is it? He has to he has to fix all the, the, the water issues in Flint, yeah. right? That's... That's what he's got to do. You know what I'm um, also going to request that everybody does? If if you really like the show, what I would love, we would super appreciate, if you would just tell a friend that doesn't know about the show and yes, just 100%. tell them that you like it and just maybe they'll listen to it because yes. we really just want people to listen to the show. And that's our end goal. And if you really love us and you want to help us out, provide more content, help us provide more content, uh, we also have a Patreon. So if you search Real Science Cast on Patreon, um, you can donate whatever the fuck you can afford. Um, and eventually we're going to try and work our way up into, uh, towards making new content. Once things kind of calm down for the three of us, uh, the thought is that, you know, we'll start setting reward tiers and things like that. So that would we be will. awesome. Once I unpack we my will. office, we're good to go. Yep. And once Pace defends and becomes a doctor. A doctor. See. Right, okay. And also thanks to uh, Otis McDonald for using uh, his song Third Eye Blimp for the intro and outro of our podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. What's the name of the song? Third Eye Blimp. Third Eye Blimp. That's cool. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's wrap this bad boy up. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And you don't need good science to make a good movie. But if you're you're staying classy, then you can just watch movies. It's better. (laughs) It's better with movies. No, I was making a joke, a Scrubs joke. Oh, I don't get it. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't get it either. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's record. So, did that sound okay? Yeah, it sounded fucking great. Okay, cool. Jason cool. <laughs> and I were chortling. Good, perfect. A little, chortle, little chortle. Chortle. All right, let's record. All right. Hi everyone. Oh, it's a fucking train. <laughs> Wow! Did you guys hear it? I can hear it too. (laughs) Yeah, the minute I started recording, it was. Okay, that's what happens when you live next to the railroad. I fucking guess, dude.